Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, August 8th, and we're discussing everyone's favorite company, Tesla. I'm your host, Nick Seipel, and today I'm joined by Molly Fool contributor Brian Feraldi via Skype. How's it going, Brian? Hey, Nick. I'm sure that listeners are very confused on what the healthcare and technology guy is doing on the industrial show, but I am happy to be here. Yeah, it's uh, Tesla is a is a fun company, very divisive. Uh, but you know, I haven't had you on the show in a while. Uh, we I think last time we had you on, we talked about uh, the solar companies, and that also touches this this uh, Tesla a little bit. How's your summer been? What you been up to? Oh, my summer is going fantastic, living the dream here. And and the big news for the Feraldi household is that uh, my youngest kid, who's in daycare, uh, is going to be leaving in two weeks uh, to go to kindergarten. So the Feraldi household will be daycare bill-free for the first time in nine years. We are very excited. Yeah, How are see, things going for you? Going pretty good. See, you're you're putting the kids out of daycare. I'm doing the childless millennial thing, heading to Disney, headed to Disney World with my girlfriend last week, also did uh, Universal. It's a great time. Uh, it's it's one of those vacations where you spend more time walking than you do when you're actually not on vacation, which uh, was a little bit uh, a little bit uh, of that was uh, was a good time. But uh, it's good to be back in the office, and uh, you know we're talking about Tesla today. So the reason I have you on, Brian, is this company has got to be the most divisive company in the stock market. You've got hyper bulls, hyper bears. Uh, I'm personally short this company by put options. You're uh, long this company. Uh, how did you first kind of come across Tesla, and what's kind of been your background with this company uh, as an investment? Oh yeah, this is definitely the most divisive uh, company I've probably ever seen in my years as investors. And and the funny thing is, um, I know some ver- some people that I deeply respect their opinion are are very short this stock. So it is so funny how we can view the same information and come away with different views. But hey, that's what makes Motley, and that's what makes a market. Um, but uh, I will tell you, I first came across this company as an investment uh, when David Gardner recommended it for rule breakers uh, many, many years ago. And to be quite honest, when, when he did that, I actually made fun of him the next time I saw him to his face for picking it. I thought he was nuts for picking a car company, which just have long histories of being terrible investments and destroying uh, a value. Uh, but as I gradually got to new, know more about the company, gradually learned more about Musk and the opportunity, I switched and became a bull, and I first became a shareholder in uh, 2012. So my early purchases, despite all the rockiness in, over the last couple of years, uh, I'm, I'm up significantly on my early purchases. How about you? Yeah, so I, I definitely came to this story a, a little bit differently. I, I never really looked at this company as an investment until maybe a couple years ago. One of my closest friends uh, is an EV engineer, major OEM uh, in the U.S., and he started talking to me about Tesla, you know, I'd seen Teslas at, you know, you go to the mall and they're parked out there for you to look at, and it's really, really cool car. He started telling me uh, some questions he had about the company when it comes to some of the claims they made about manufacturing, um, and just how it didn't line up with what uh, the rest of the industry or what he understood as someone who worked in that industry. And from there, I, I kind of started kind of following the trail. You, you, you looked at the uh, the alien dreadnought factory that was promised. And we've seen Tesla walk that back a little bit uh, when it comes to their manufacturing. And it's had some issues in that they made some aggressive claims about their capabilities that haven't necessarily lined up to what the industry has done in the past. And these are people that are you know, very smart, very intelligent people whose job it is uh, uh, to optimize these things as best as they can. And uh, when you saw Tesla move in and do some of these things, they didn't quite line up. Uh, but I, I never took a, a position in this company long or short until late February, early March of this year. Uh, so you saw the issues with manufacturing. They had said they'd reached 10,000 
vehicles a week. Never quite got to that level. But if people were going to buy the car, it, it doesn't really matter. And, and they had shown profits in Q3 and Q4. Uh, but you went into the start of this year and you started to see significant price cuts. You start And Tesla, for a long period of time, Elon Musk had said, we are going to sell cars at a, at a price and we're not going to cut prices like traditional automakers. And they had begun to change their tune on that. There had been a number of layoffs. You had seen Musk talk about, uh, I believe it was Axios saying there were single-digit weeks away uh, from bankruptcy in the fall. Uh, and so there's just a lot of, of red flags there. And as you saw the demand start to turn down, uh, I just started to see that there wasn't necessarily a path, uh, or it didn't seem to me that there was a clear path out for the company. Right after that, of course, you saw the close all, the store closures and those sorts of things. So uh, the question for me has just been whether they can make that jump from from the the luxury small market they had with the S and X into a mass market in a way that's going to be profitable. They can deliver reliable vehicles and services uh, that people expect. And uh, there's been a duality there. So Consumer Reports, uh, their annual auto reliability survey ranked Tesla 27 out of 28 brands. Yet Tesla is in the number one position when it comes to overall customer satisfaction. Uh, you look at their services, people are very happy with their mobile service, but you've seen reports of folks that are unable uh, to get in touch with, with service centers and that, that has caused some issues. So that, that's kind of been the, the source of, of why I had, I've had some skepticism around this company, and that, that's kind of where I'm at and why I decided to go short. Any kind of thoughts on, on those concerns uh, You know, as someone who owns the stock, Brian? Oh, yeah. There are numerous yellow to reddish flags, depending on your view. And and I will say, as someone that has owned and followed this company uh, for the last seven years, the last two years in particular have been the most excruciating time uh, to be a bull. There has been an almost never-ending string of negative uh, announcements. We've seen you know high-level executive departures. We've seen them push back dates. We've seen them say that they were going to be profitable, and that didn't show up. Um, so there have definitely been some uh, it's definitely been a trying time to be a bull. Um, but uh, for me, uh, I, I will say that I am still a, a bull on this company, and I, I, I view this as an asymmetric bet. Uh, and if this company can do what they say that they can do, uh, multi-bagger returns, I believe, are possible from here. If they can't do what they say they're going to do, uh, which is a very real possibility, uh, the short thesis could be very correct here, So th- and hence why this is such a divisive stock. Right. And and. To date, depending on how you look at it, they they have achieved you know incredible growth when it comes to delivery of vehicles with the Model Three. However, the promises that sooner or later that's going to drop to the bottom line have continued to be pushed out. Uh, at some point, they have to be profitable, but, but we'll see. Let, let's look at uh, most recent earnings we just got back uh, in the past couple weeks. Their Q2, and this this kind of continues what you can say is the duality of this company. Uh, you had record deliveries uh, of, uh, of 95,000-plus cars. However, you saw revenue down relative to the the uh, previous record delivery, which was Q4 uh, in the previous year. Uh, profits also down, lost $400 million versus that previous record delivery quarter, where they made about $140 million. Uh, when you take a look at, at those numbers, what stood out to you, Brian? Yeah. Uh, the the uh, I, I view um, the Q4 2018 as definitely... a fascinating quarter from a number of reasons. I think it was very clear that demand did get pulled forward uh, given the uh, the tax credit that was coming off. And their, their record numbers, uh, they could not be maintained going into uh, Q, into the first quarter. So that was certainly disappointing to see as a bull. Um, 
if you do look at their most recent quarter, we did see um, growth of 44%, uh, 44% growth sequentially and 60% up year over year. But as you mentioned, despite posting record uh, deliveries, revenue was not a record. And the, the answer to that question is because the average selling price on the vehicles is falling as uh, for two main factors. Uh, first off, SNX demand has not been as robust as I think management was initially uh, targeting. I think it's clear if you look at the SNX numbers that the Model 3 is cannibalizing sales of those vehicles at a much higher rate than, than they initially assumed. I think that management was assuming that SNX would be in steady state and Model 3 would be additive, but it's, it's pretty clear that some consumers are choosing to trade down. And SNX are much more mature products and have a much higher gross margin than Model 3 does uh, while it's ramping up. So I think that's a big reason why uh, profits and cash flow have not been as robust as uh, Elon basically said it was. And that is certainly something for investors to watch moving forward. Sure, yeah. I mean, the SNX were the traditional vehicles that the company had had before the Model 3 had come out. Higher margin, higher average selling price. Uh, the two-year run rate is about 25,000 units a quarter. Last quarter, 12,500. This quarter, looking at 17,650. So, a little bit of a bump up. We had this Raven upgrade that increased their range. You said you had some additional uh, promotional activity. I think they've made ludicrous uh, mode free uh, to uh, returning buyers of the SNX. Uh, you had free supercharging being added. So, you see a lot of levers being pulled there uh, to drive demand. But again, if you're looking year over year, uh, you're seeing a big increase uh, when it comes to deliveries. The question mark is, when we come to next quarter and they lap that Model 3 growth ramp, what is the narrative uh, uh, going to look like uh, uh, with this company? So, uh, to be seen, uh, next quarter, will you'll really start to lap where that big uh, big bump up in growth is. Any extra, extra thoughts there, Brian, before we move on? Oh, yeah, I think that's completely right. What's, uh, the, the questions that are in the air right now for investors are, uh, to, to you said, what's going to happen when we do lap that big jump? Uh, is SNX uh, demand permanently impaired or is it uh, temporarily impaired? Th- those are questions that we do not have clear answers to at this point. So the next, uh, let's say, 18 months are going to be continue to be extremely uh, excruciating potentially or or, or could, uh, could really turn the narrative around. We will see. Yeah, sure. If you look at past trends, that Q4 to Q1, uh, tax credit pull forward definitely had a meaningful impact on demand. We saw the end of Q2, we had another tax credit cliff. It's to be determined how much of a pull forward you see there again. But I, I think that's what we'll be watching next quarter. Uh, the other the other big thing, we saw a $400 million loss in the quarter, but Tesla reported a positive free cash flow of $614 million. Uh, some of that is due to selling down a significant amount of inventory. So, inventory was about a $450 million source of, of cash. If you look at their CapEx, their CapEx has continued to decline. Uh, so, in Q4 of 2018, it was about uh, CapEx minus depreciation and amortization was about flat, and that's continued uh, to go down. So, now CapEx is below depreciation and amortization, which for a high fixed cost company is a concern. Accounts payable, uh, accounts payable uh, have continued to be stretched. So, you have a you had a Increase in deliveries for the quarter where you would expect to incur higher rate of bills. However, it was a $40 million less use of cash in this quarter than the previous quarter. So, there are some question marks when it comes to spending less on CapEx and selling down inventory, what the source of that free cash flow was. But again, 
$614 million of free cash flow, a big question mark for this company. It was where they were going to generate cash uh, to be able to pay down those, those debt maturities they have coming here in October. Uh, any thoughts on that free cash flow number? What stands out to you, Brian? Oh, yeah. When, when you dig into the numbers, I think it becomes pretty clear that, uh, that Tesla did everything in its power to, to, to make it look like it had as much free cash flow as possible towards the end of the quarter. And then it's, it's, it's very likely that uh, a bunch of those uh, payments were made you know, as soon as the, the quarter ended. That's really not all that surprising to see, given that this company has such a, you know, uh, everyone putting everything under the microscope here, and they're desperate to show net income and free cash flow to kind of turn that narrative around. So uh, I, I think you did a great job of laying out that their free cash flow was positive, $614 million, but many of those sources are not going to be uh, repeatable. That's not something that can go on forever. So eventually, they will have to show free cash flow solely from operations and not from moving around uh, working capital. So that's a big question mark for investors in the next couple of quarters is, can they produce positive free cash flow and positive negative income without changing working capital? That's an unknown at this point. Right. So... Again, to be seen. We'll see how demand shakes out moving forward, and how how you know as they continue to move into new markets. This China factory has been a, a big, and that's something we'll talk about later on. Uh, we'll see how things play out. The other big news from the quarter is the departure of J.B. Straubel. Uh, he had actually had a longer tenure at Tesla than Elon. He's been the, uh, listed as a co-founder of the company, chief technical officer, and really spearheaded the battery initiatives and the and the supercharger network of the company. Had had been a visionary. When it comes to that part of the business, this continues a trend of executive departures over the past year and a half or so. You've had two general counsels leave, a CFO depart, uh, chief accounting officer leave after less than a month, uh, chief information officer leave after less than a year, chief people officer leave after less than a year. You've had 10% of the autopilot team leave following autonomy day, including the, the head of the autopilot team. So, when you look at the departure of Straubel and, and just this, the executive departures that have taken place over the past 18 months how do you what are your thoughts on that i mean obviously elon's a very difficult person to work through and that this has been a a, a trend over time uh, but you've got to have people below elon that do some of this work as well oh yes and and this this uh, I mean, I will say that the Jabo Strabel uh, departure certainly took me off of guard because, uh, as you've pointed out, there has been a number of uh, turnover in the executive ranks here uh, for, for many years. There's no doubt in my mind that Elon must be unbelievably difficult uh, to work for. So the fact that JB was really um, someone that was there so consistently over the years, this definitely took, uh, uh, took me aback, and I think he'll be a huge loss for the company. Uh, it did say that um, JB has gone on to, uh, he, he still will be involved with the company as a, at, the, um, at the board level or the high level executive level or as a consultant. Or, so he's not completely leaving. He will still have some uh, touch with the company, but he's definitely stepping back from the day to day. And I did read a report that he is actually going to be spending more time on a new company called Redwood Materials, which I believe is focused on uh, recycling. Yep, battery recycling. Uh, lithium yep. Yeah, battery, battery recycling. So it, 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 that, that could be something that he just wanted to do. He felt it was the appropriate time. Or it could be a sign of, of more, more, more troubling things going on. Uh, I don't have a lot of insight other than to say he will be missed. He's a genius. There's no doubt. Yeah, it's, uh, this is one of those where, where folks who had been bearish on the company had been suggesting that this, this was going to happen for a while. Uh, he had began a stock uh, selling plan back in November of last year and continued that plan even as the stock had declined. This past week, I believe he registered another several five-figure amount uh, of shares for sale. 
but again, if he's funding this new initiative and this new initiative is in battery recycling and this battery recycling initiative is going to be doing business with Tesla, you know, who knows? There, there is a chance that there, there are some positive, positive things here. The question is just why are these people departing the company so quickly and selling stock, given that it's at a multi-year, you know, bottom? And uh, Elon is selling uh, the story that the company is about to turn up. We'll just have to see. One of the parts of that story uh, is this China Gigafactory that is is beginning to uh, come up and running. They hope to have production uh, beginning before the end of this year. In the 10Q uh, this quarter, we saw um, we saw the terms that they're going to have to to maintain. Uh, as part of that factory lease, they need to spend $2 billion in CapEx in China over the next five years. Uh, and they are required to generate uh, $320 million in annual tax revenue uh, by 2023, uh, which I believe is more than more tax revenue or more uh, taxes than uh, $1.3 billion in pre tax profits in China by 2023, assuming a 25% tax rate. In a market that's significantly more competitive in the U.S., where they have had some issues uh, making money going forward. Obviously, when you look at the opportunity from this China Gigafactory and these terms that they've got, what are what are your thoughts on on how Tesla can use that moving forward to continue to drive growth for the business and meet these obligations? Oh, oh yeah, there's no doubt that the there there's a lot riding on the 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 China factory. I mean. Uh, Tesla is clearly moving into that market because it is the biggest EV market uh, in the world. And so far, they are having to pay huge tariffs when they uh, sell into that market from, um, from, from their California factory. So providing a factory to avoid those tariffs and, and, and have a local source uh, just makes complete sense. Uh, you did point out that there are some uh, terms that need to be met. Otherwise, the company could be met with penalties. Uh, I think that if Elon can deliver on what he says and get the, the ramped up, um, I, I, I would guess that the company would have no problems hitting those, but the, there, there is a question, which is, can Tesla, the Tesla brand, go into China successfully and compete against in a very uh, competitive market? Uh, we don't have a lot of answers right that, so this, this remains a big bet for the company. Again, it's, a, it's another question we don't have an answer to. Yeah, so uh, they already sell 35,000 Model 3s per year in China. Getting around those tariffs, you're going to see a 15% price decline. So we'll see at least a fifteen percent price decline when we look at when we look at tariffs. So we'll see uh, what uh, you know how much more demand that drives as as the prices are, are driven down. Again, if they don't they don't meet those obligations, they lose the China factory in twenty twenty three. One wild card night. <laughs> one wild card right now is that the, the the current climate between the U S. and China is very unfortunate. It's a tough time to be going to do business over there. Uh, of course, everybody who does business in China is is having to deal with this right now. Tesla is no is no uh, no exception. Uh, the other big uh, future driver for this company that the, the company raised money in, uh, on back in May with this autonomy day is that uh, Tesla is hoping to deliver a full self-driving capability uh, to all of its vehicles. Elon had targeted by the end of this year. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how, how those targets play out. When you look at the autonomy opportunity for Tesla, how are you kind of handicapping uh when you expect that and uh, the opportunity it drives for the company? Well, when, when it comes to handicapping anything getting out there, whatever Elon Musk says, you basically have to add at least six months or a year or two. Uh, so he says they're going to be, I believe, feature complete by the end of 2019 and start to roll it out next year. Uh, I would guess that that's going to be a hyper-aggressive schedule as usual, so you'll probably actually see this out there in 2021, 2022. And investors need to know that this is 
uh, a crucial uh, development for the company. Uh, Elon has made it clear that autonomy is a major uh, focus of the business, and they have a huge amount of competitors. There are dozens of companies around the world, many of them with billions of dollars in capital that are throwing money to win the race to be, to the, to be the first company to have autonomy. Um, now, Tesla, I believe, is in a unique position in that they have a massive amount of data that they're pulling in from their, their fleet already, and they also are vertically integrated, so they're actually building and selling the cars themselves. Uh, we saw um, uh, earlier this year they announced that they developed their own internal chip that's going to be uh, powering their cars. It's possible that could be a competitive advantage for them, but winning the race to be the first with um, a working uh, autonomy, uh, autonomous vehicle on the market is, is crucial, I believe, for the company at this point if they want to, if they want to maintain a lead. Uh, once that becomes available and goes out to the general public and anybody can, say, pull up their app on their phone and order a Tesla to drive them around, uh, getting there first and building, becoming the first to market to have uh, enough scale to kind of have that go everywhere, that, that's crucial. So this is something that investors need to keep a keen eye on. Yeah, I also have I also have a close friend who is in the autonomy area. I've had had the chance to speak to some folks there. My my question marks here is similar to what I had with manufacturing, in that this is a, this is a very competitive industry with a large number of very smart people working on this problem with massive amounts of funding from SoftBank. Google has been throwing a lot of money into this and others, um, and Tesla is taking an approach that. Uh, much of the industry, including people who have previously left Tesla's autopilot division, uh, say is just not possible at this current time. Uh, no use of LiDAR, uh, no geofence uh, when it comes to being able to operate under all conditions. That the people who know much more than me about this issue have suggested this is a this is a very big long shot. Uh, part of the reason Tesla has to take this path is that when you've sold a vehicle uh, promising full self-driving capability to people that live all over the world in all kinds of different places. You can't take a geofenced approach when you're selling that product. Likewise, with LiDAR, when you're selling a product to a retail customer, you can't put a sensor on a vehicle that's going to cost $10,000 per sensor, given that you have to cut prices uh, to drive demand as it is. So there are some uh, characteristics of Tesla as a business and the way they're structured that limit its ability to take the autonomy approach that the rest of the industry takes. Um, they're you know rushing to get first to market. Uh, if you can be first to market and deliver a product that is reliable and safe, that is a massive competitive advantage. However, if because you have been selling this product for a number of years and you have short sellers on your neck and you need to show profits and realize this revenue of the deposits you've taken for full self-driving, you rush out a product before it is ready to go to market. It's a really dangerous position to put yourself in when it comes to liability, when it comes to trust in your brand. So it, it is to be seen. It's, it's a difficult problem. Tesla's taking a different approach to the rest of the market. They have the access to real-world data that other folks probably can't match. But it's a question to whether their approach is going to play out. I, from the information I've been able to see, uh, believe that it, it's a very much a long shot. Uh, but if it, if it works out, it is a massive, massive opportunity. Um, you know, uh, we'll just have to see. Any any yeah. last thoughts on autonomy before we move on, Brian? No, I think I think that's right. And and you know, G Google is obviously a huge player. 
uh, in this market. I mean, we've even heard that, like uh, Baidu, for example, has uh, is they're doing great things in China. To say nothing of Uber and Didi and literally dozens of other companies. So the the this is I believe that the autonomy market is going to be potentially a winner take most market. So being first with a vehicle that is both safe and reliable is going to be a huge challenge for the industry in general. If Tesla can get there, then I, I, I completely agree that it will be a massive advantage for them. But uh, you have to have basically belief in, in this case that management is right, that their approach, which is different than the industry, is, is going to be proven correct. Uh, so far, we, we don't know if that, if that is the, the way to go, but we will have to see. Yeah, Got to have faith. Um, uh, so last thing, uh, I guess... Uh, you look at their cash balance, they're showing a $5 billion cash balance this quarter. There is some evidence as well there that there is, it's similar to the free cash flow, it's not quite as high as maybe they had shown. If you if you take a look at their interest income, it suggests that they carried about $1.7 to $1.8 billion in cash during the quarter. If you look at their cash and money market funds, about $1.7 billion. They had $1.7 billion in debt repayments despite no uh, bonds, uh, no maturing bonds in the quarter, which suggests they were drawing down their, uh, their asset-backed line during the quarter. That's, that's suggested by their, uh, their asset-backed credit line only being down slightly versus the first quarter despite a $500 million inventory sell-down. And you, and you see a continuing of, of a solar continuing rolling of a solar city note. They had a hundred eighty million dollar solar city note due in two thousand eighteen that they've continued rolling from quarter to quarter. Um, they've, they've paid off a little bit. There's one hundred sixty four million dollars still outstanding. But the question is, if you have this, such this high cash balance, why are you continuing to roll this less than two hundred million dollar debt? Uh, you look at their twenty twenty five bonds. They're trading at eighty six uh, versus you know one hundred dollar. Par, so there appears to be uh, some issues when you when you look at, at the debt market. Uh, when you see uh, this debt coming due in the cor- uh, you know in, in October, I think it's another about six hundred million dollars due. Profits really need to come from this company soon to be able to support these uh, these payments. When you take a look at, at the company going forward, where are you expecting the where should we be looking for the profits to come and for the sustainable cash flow to come to support uh, this these debt payments going forward? Uh, yeah. Oh, I think the 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 obvious answer there is from operations. They have to produce and sell cars and make money on them. That that that's that's that is what the near term and long term future hinge on. Uh, Musk has said that they will become profitable and cash flow positive, I believe it was a couple quarters ago, he said all quarters moving forward. And so far, he has not delivered on that promise. Uh, I think the the next earnings report, Q3 of this year, uh, will be a pivotal uh, quarter to really say that, yes, this is the profits and we can produce them from selling vehicles moving forward or, or not. As you mentioned, there are some debt payments coming uh, down the road and their, their cash balance probably was... Um, Taken down significantly right after the quarter to meet some of their uh, their New York obligations. So uh, it's going to have to come from operations. Period. Yeah. So as we look forward, any any predictions or any ideas going forward uh, of what you'll be watching as an investor uh, when it comes to this business? What we should be looking for when it comes to those operations turning the corner? Yeah. So I think over the next uh, year. Uh, 
the, the big question that this company has to answer is, can they build enough Model 3s and have enough demand uh, to, fund, to fund the business uh, in, internally? Um, S and X are both nice, but uh, they will be overwhelmed by the sheer volume of the Model 3. And the other question is, will that be enough to fund the development of all the other pipeline of projects? Uh, the next big one for investors to look forward to is the, the Model Y, but they've also said that they're going to be um, rolling out the, the Tesla Semi, the, the, uh, the pickup truck. Um, they have a couple other things in, in the burner that they have hinted at that they haven't even released at. So funding all of those things and getting those to market will require capital. And Model 3 is going to need to be the primary driver of that. So investors really need to keep an eye on Model 3 deliveries and gross margins. Are they big enough to get this company to profitability and free cash flow? Thus far, we haven't seen that they've been able to do that. The next two quarters, we should have a much better idea. Yeah, I think a lot of those same themes is what I'm going to be watching uh, when it comes to the Model Y, where they're going to produce that. There's been some questions about how much space they have in their factory uh, to install the Model Y line and begin production. Uh, given the declining SNX sales, you know, do we see some of that line being repurposed for the Y? If so, uh, you know, that'll tell you something about where SNX demand are moving forward. Obviously, going to be watching the debt repayment coming due in October. How is the company able to absorb that? When we had the previous debt repayment uh, back in the spring, we saw a capital raise soon after that. Hopefully, the company can continue uh, uh, to generate cash flow to not need to tap um, the capital markets. As I mentioned previously, we're lapping the Model 3 uh, production ramp up as we come into Q3. Uh, I am expecting to see declining deliveries, declining revenues, declining profits relative to that time. However, if the company is able to prove me wrong, I think that that busts the short thesis. Again, if if the company is able to deliver what they've said when it comes to autonomy, really at any point between now and next now and this time next year, the any short thesis in this company is busted. I don't think that is going to take place, but we'll see. Um, any last thoughts before we hit the road, Brian? Oh yeah, um, just just to give listeners a a the framework um, that I use when I when I think about um, this company for for perspective here, I have been Tesla a bull for for many years now, but even today, this stock represents about two percent of my real world 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 portfolio, and I'm happy with that percentage because uh, I think the chances of multi bagging for here are could, could happen, but. The odds of believing that that happening, there's a lot of things that have to go right, and the the chances of that happening are probably low in the grand in the in the grand scheme of things based on the information that I have today. It's possible, but it's I don't think it's greater than fifty percent or anything like that. The, the there is a real chance here that this company could be in financial trouble if uh, it can't fund all its near term up near and long term obligations, and if demand for why isn't as strong as we need it to be, and if they have problems meeting demand in China and all those uh, all those other areas. Or if um, if they fall behind in the autonomy game, there are a lot of things that need to go right from here moving forward for Tesla to be a successful investment. I'm comfortable with those risks, given that it is such a small percentage of my portfolio. Um, but this is a very high risk stock, even even from today. Yeah, listeners, exactly what what Brian said. It's to own this stock today, you have to calculate what is the probability that they're successful and how much. Uh, return can I get and compare that? What is the probability that this company does not work out? And what is the potential loss that I could face? If you believe that number is significantly positive, you should own this stock 
if you believe that number is significantly negative, like I do, you'll be short this stock. If you if you don't if you're somewhere in the middle, maybe maybe you shouldn't maybe you should just be watching from the sidelines and watching all of us bicker uh, back and forth. But uh, you know. <laughs> We're addicted hey, to it at this we point. Have fun bickering about yeah, it, right? Exactly. So uh, we're addicted to it at this point. So uh, we'll, we'll keep watching it. Brian, thanks for coming on the show. Hopefully, this is a more sober discussion of uh, this company than are available other places. Hey, Nick, thanks for having me. Great to be here. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass. For Brian Feraldi, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. <laughs>